Welcome to The Spirit of Success, a podcast hosting honest conversations for people who want to show up and work in life to create their own limitless realities. Each week, we deliver spiritual inspiration from real people, sharing their stories about authentic living from the road less traveled. Now here's your host, Dr. Tracy Debbie. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Spirit of Success, the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Tracy Debbie, and I'm so excited to welcome you here into February, which is Heart Month. And when I think of heart and heart-led leaders, one of the first people that I think about is my friend Alex Grant, who is my guest on today's show. So fitting that it's the episode that we air before my birthday on February 16th, which is tomorrow, which I'm really excited. Anyway, I just wanted to let you know that Alex has been huge inspiration in my life. In 2019, we did a course together, a mindfulness course in person, and I did not realize how important those tools were going to be given um, was what is going on this year. Alex is also my go-to girl for everything relationships. So that is what we talked about in this episode. We talk about relationships. We talk about mindfulness and how all these things are, are related and how the they can help you moving forward in your life and definitely for the rest of 2021. So this one I'm very excited about and I can't wait for you to hear. So without any further ado, here is the episode. Alex Grant, welcome to Spirit of Success, the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. I'm pumped. We have so many great conversations and just great to bring. I'm happy to bring it online. Yes. Yeah, so I start off every episode by telling people how we know each other. I'm like, how do we know each other? I can, I can recall. I can, can you? recall our beginning. Yeah. I came across your Instagram oh. and I, I knew about you because I saw your videos of you talking. And then you came, did you come up to me? I was on that panel. Yes, the, the relationship panel. The relationship panel. And we, I don't actually, I don't believe that we spoke at that event. But then it was like a few weeks later, maybe, that we were at the feed event downtown. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doing the food, it was not, maybe it was a, a food drive. And then we spoke officially. Yes. Oh, and then we were like, we know each other, but we don't know how. And then I was like, I'm inspired by you. And you're like, I'm inspired by you. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yes. yes. You know why? I don't know because we're soul fam. We're soul fam. And then, and then you, and then you became part of the mindfulness crew that of, of last year, the mindfulness course. And then, and then I feel like our relationship kind of took off. Then we had that five hour phone call. I don't know when that took place, but that happened somewhere in there too. Yes. Oh my God. So <laughs> yeah. now everyone knows. Now everyone's here with us. This is our friendship. Yeah. Okay. We're definitely going to talk about the mindfulness crew. I think that's going to be super important because I know I reflect on that experience a lot, especially during COVID. But before we get to all that, I'm feeling really called to ask you about your reflections from 2020. Okay. My reflections of 2020. That's a big question because there's so many things that happened in 2020. If I had to put a couple of words to the year of 2020, I'd probably say simplification. There was a lot of clutter that left my life. And then I got clear on what was fuel for me and what was energy draining for me. It became very, very clear 
Um, so I simplified and I've kind of left everything that feels like an energy drain. And I've been more focused on the things that give me fuel. And I've kind of been pivoting my own path to, to follow the fuel. <laughs> mm, kind of like follow the like feeling in a way, right? Because like the fuel is that great to me. I don't know. Tell me if this is how you feel is like that really good feeling. hundred percent. Actually, I think, you know, over the year of 2020, I've really been focusing on the feelings that I have in my body and working on my connection and the conversation that I have with my body, feeling the fuck yes in my body and then kind of following whatever that is. And then identifying what is a fuck yes, obviously first that fuels me in an, in, a, in an authentic way. Um, and it feels easy and it feels great. Yeah. I think that's so important. And People should know, I wanted you on the show for a really long time. One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is I was really fascinated by your story, um, particularly your background with gymnastics. I'm going to say this and tell me if there's like a better way to say this, but like the like potential body issues that you could have faced or maybe have faced and like where you've come from now, like where, where you are now through that and how you've you really have this undercurrent. What I love about you, Alex, and I want people to know this, and I don't know if they can feel it, is like there's always this undercurrent of love. And it's like love for everything. Um, I'm obsessed with your dog, Faye. <laughs> like I wish want everyone to know I'm obsessed with her dog, Faye. And maybe we'll have to add a picture or something <laughs> to this podcast. You can like, totally add a picture. <laughs> people can see Faye, um, who, which Faye means fairy. I didn't even know that either. Um, and I just want people to know that undercurrent of like love came from somewhere you know as a body worker I did not understand the importance of the body I know that sounds so strange but I did not understand the wisdom and I know you feel that that way very strongly so I was just maybe wondering if you could take us through and you don't have to go through like all of it but just maybe some of your journey through gymnastics and like kind of what the challenges were there and sort of how you've used that now to kind of fuel where you are today yeah my my journey as a gymnast you know, I think in, in terms of body issues, many women experience relationships with their body in many aspects and, and gymnastics didn't make that easier. When I was young, we were weighed and I trained under Russian coaches and there was a standard and I, you know, it, it did impact me and it impacted me the most towards the end of high school where I really started to get tight on calories and got obsessive about food pairings and which food would give me the most nutrients together um, to the point where it became obsessive in not a good way. Um, I have a tendency to do things extremely. Um, so I, you know, competed as an elite gymnast. After that, I did event production at a high level. I've always kind of ridden the edge of extreme things. And when I'm committed to something, I am all in. You know, honestly, I'm, I'm probably one of the lucky ones um, in that I, I had my mother is a she's a triathlete. And so her relationship with food was always healthy. And so even if my coaches were saying, you know, oh, you're gaining weight or pulling at my stomach skin saying, what's this? What's this? There were hurtful things that happened, you know, in, in the gym for sure. But when I was home, I, I was in a secure home. And I knew that my mom had healthy eating habits. So, you know, by the time I was through going through gymnastics and going into college, I know what eating healthy looks like and I know what eating healthy feels like. 
Um, and so there were a couple of years in there where it was really challenging. And, you know, to this day, I can tell when my perfectionism is wanting to come up. After gymnastics, I got into bodybuilding briefly. And that resurrected a lot of things for me where I was like, ooh, like this is, this is not going to serve me at the highest level. This is just another way for me to become obsessed. So let me create a healthy space um, and kind of stick to a balanced routine with my, with my food and my exercise. And now over the years, movement for me is a form, it's my active meditation. It's how I gain clarity. It's how I feel into my body for answers. Like you said, there's so much wisdom in the body. And I did have a relationship with it at a young age, but I didn't listen. I overrided a lot of my feelings because I wasn't allowed to speak up and say when I was in pain. So I, you know, underwent my first surgery at the age of 11 because I had an overuse injury. Yeah. And then you're back in because you're, you know, you're back into full training because it's like, it's supposed to be better. When you go through an experience like that, where you're just like not even allowed to talk about the pain you feel because you still feel it, right? What does that do to your, your, your own relationship to your body? The way I would describe it now, it creates a lack of trust, but it, it wasn't that because I knew what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. It's a good question. It's like I, I learned to have this ability to know that pain was there and to suppress it. And I would try and speak up on it right at the brink when I knew something really bad was going to happen. Interesting. I find that very fascinating. And I don't want to take you off a tangent too much, but I ask you that because I notice that with patients, with people, we suppress the pain until we can't. And the thing is, short term, that works. And sometimes it's necessary, right? Like you can only process so many bits of information. So if Alex is like little Alex, if your like livelihood, like to be able to go to school tomorrow is based on getting through this practice, and yes, you're in some sort of survival mode, right? Then yeah, it benefits you to suppress it so that you can continue with your life 100%, right? The problem is when that becomes habit, right? When that suppression becomes habit that you don't even realize you're doing it anymore. Absolutely. And I mean, that's, I love that you pointed that out because it does show itself, you know, not in sports. And I, I, did, I did it as well outside of sports. I mean, we've talked about, I've had chronic neck pain for, for three years. And it's because I overrode the sensations coming up in my body. My body was talking to me. I just wasn't talking back to it. I was kind of, it was saying like, Hey, Alex, like we, we need your attention. I was like, yeah, cool. Okay. Like not right now. I have something else to do. Don't, don't worry me right now. I'm going to put you over here. I'm going to compartmentalize you over here. So I know that you're there because I can feel you there, but it's inconvenient. And, and that's actually how I got myself into trouble. It was ego driven. I think it was ego driven and it was also, you know, out of obligation, especially when I was a young athlete, just to meet the demands that I had to meet in order to continue successing in, in my career. Yeah, hundred percent. And I want people to know too, like they're like, we're not faulting, like there is no fault or blame or anything here. It's more so like that was the reality of the situation you were in and not, not many people experience it to the degree that maybe you experienced it. That's why I wanted to have you on the show because I don't know who else I could have kind of the depth of quality of conversation that I know you can, you can bring up because you can communicate it in a way 
that I haven't found other people able to communicate it with who maybe have had similar experience. So like, this is just a personal question. I'm not even sure if you've reflected on this, but like, cause you kind of took us from, you know, when you were young and you had your surgery at 11 and then sort of how, like where you've come to now where you really started to listen again. But like, it seems like there's a bit of a gap in between. So it's like, if someone's going through that where they're like, I'm aware that there's something I'm suppressing and I don't even know how to start a conversation or it seems so scary or I'm afraid. Like how can people kind of get through that really rough period where, or potentially rough period of like, how do I even start this? Because we're in lockdown again. And again, if you haven't been kind to your body and you, you haven't been talking or haven't had a dialogue, it's like any other relationship, there's no communication, it won't be very sustainable. And I think we're all looking for more ways to be sustainable in every way possible. But I think the most important one is the relationship you have to yourself, which includes your body. Yeah. So I think a great place to start is in stillness. For anyone who has practiced a form of exercise during the day or for a long period of time, and then perhaps you get still for a bit and you start to feel it kind of like, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but if you've ever done like a deadlift at a gym and then you go home and you're like, Ooh, my back. And you didn't notice it in the moment because there's so many sensations and distractions and noises that are going on. And you're in, you're in the doing, right. You're like, I'm doing all these reps and whatever, you know, that state that you're in. And then all of a sudden it comes into stillness and it's like, Ooh, what's that? It's, it's hard to do to sit in stillness with yourself and, and have really real conversations of, especially when it comes to chronic injuries or, addressing things that you've been conveniently avoiding over time because addressing them might be scary. I think that's the first important step is to come into acceptance of this thing that's been, it might've started as a whisper and maybe now it's yelling at you. And eventually it's, it's going to punch you in the face and it's kind of like up to you how long you're going to put that thing aside until it's going to, you know, kind of face you head on and say, I'm here, I've been here and I'm angry now. So what are we doing about it? Yep. hundred percent. And like, I want people to know, like, we're not exaggerating here and I'm not also trying to scare you or like prescribe like, this is going to happen. It's just a literal fact. Like we know this now, if you don't say no, your body will. Like I was like, I don't know if I should say this, but like, there's so much evidence now about how your immune system is related to, is connected to your thoughts, which is connected to your, like every system in our body is like directly connected. So it's like one affects the other. So if you think that just ignoring it is just putting it off, it's like a short-term thing. I want people to know, and there's no problem with that. Like if you want to do it and you just have kids and you have stuff going on, like that's totally cool. If that becomes your norm though, and that be, that can become your norm quickly, right? So if you're doing this like two weeks in a row and something is just there all the time and you're just ignoring it, then I suggest you really ask yourself, you know, and one of my, I don't know why I'm thinking about this now, but one of my mentors literally said the, the biggest test, just lie on the ground and just breathe, like lie on the ground and don't worry about how you breathe. Like don't make it so cerebral or like so intellectual, just lie on the ground and breathe and your body will start to tell you, it'll start talking to you. And people are like, what do you mean talking? Like, I don't hear voices. Like you'll feel tension or maybe you'll even feel like a zing of pain, but instead of trying to change it, just be open to it. 
to not shoving it away. That's what he said. That was it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I think, you know, when I'm, when I am talking to some people and they, you know, as humans, we're kind of these master disassociators, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when you're talking to people and all of a sudden your mind goes off and people are like, where'd you go? It's like, oh, just disassociated for a quick moment. Not sure why my body wanted to exit, but it did. And um, when I'm talking to people about being, you know, dropping from your mind and into your body and it's like, okay, well, like, what does this mean and how do we do it? I think lying on the floor and getting still and just noticing any sensations just begin by noticing any sensations. And if it's hard to sit still, even laying down for a minute, you can begin the conversation. I find what we do with our bodies and what I definitely did with my, my body was I condemned it instead of get, got, getting curious about it. Why is it not doing this thing that I need it to do right now? Why is this thing hurting that's inconvenient for me? Instead of saying or asking, what could I be doing different? Do I need to stretch more? Do I need to rest? What about what I'm doing is not working? And again, like we have this choice to either listen or override. And if you override, there's consequences. Just like any other choice in life, there's consequences. This is just like another choice. And I love that you use the word condemn. Um, I've had Jen Menzel on the show too. And she talked about like, we take a whip out. I had never thought of it that way. We take this whip out and we're like, you haven't done this and blah, blah. And you have, and I, that's what I was doing. I was like, oh my God, I was, and then that's a great word though, condemn. That's, I think that's perfect too. Like both those visuals, we do that. And we're like, you're not, I just said doing the thing I need you to do instead mm-hmm. of what do you need? Oh yeah. And, and we don't even notice that we're doing those things. No. The condemning conversation is so normal. Like I can even recall moments in the gym where, if I'm in a workout class and, you know, I'm deadlifting with two 35 pound plates and the person next to me has two 45 pound plates and my body's kind of like, oh, 35 is good. But my ego is like, no, do 45, prove that you can do more. You know, now I'm in a place where it's, it's a, this is a one lane show. This is mine. It's my body wisdom. My, my body tells me exactly what it needs. And, and I listen, I'm, I'm more interested in building that connection because that's the long-term relationship that I have. It's the body I came into the earth with and it's the body that I'm leaving with. But I, I'm much more aware of that conversation now than I was even, you know, three years ago working out, you know, my ego wanted to lift more and do more, but my body was like, slow it down. We've got a lot of additional stresses on in life. Yeah. And like one thing I noticed with patients is like they would use the gym as a form of escapism. And it would honestly, Alex, be really sad to see people use it as a form of punishment. It's like if you're holding this deeply rooted belief, which again, wasn't always appropriate to say in the office, but I knew it, that I'm a bad person or I don't deserve this. They would actually use the gym as punishment. And then they would get injured all the time wondering and then feeling broken, which feeds into that story of like, I'm not good enough or like I am broken or whatever. So it's this really negative loop. And if people are like unwilling to even hear that kind of conversation and also it wasn't the right environment, right? Cause they're not coming. They're just like, fix me or whatever people would say, right. Or just heal me or do something to me, which is more of the same of why I go to the gym to do something for my body or like checking it off a list. Like, Oh, I, well, I, well, I did that. Well, I did that. But not being, as you said, connected to why they're doing it or what they're doing it for like how does your body feel after you work out I feel like like exhausted and drained 
you know, physiologically, you're actually supposed to be producing these hormones that help you feel good. And people are like, really? It's like, how is that news? Like, you, you know what I mean? So it's just like, people aren't even connected to the experience that they're having. It feels bad. And yet they're doing it and doing it and doing it. And that's not everybody. But that was a larger pr- proportion of the people that I saw because they were in pain, obviously. We fault our body being weak. As a provider who was in a position of power, that was a really easy, like I could easily go to that. Like, oh, you just have weak glutes or you have weak back muscles, like get them stronger. But that's not the root of it. it that disempowers people. You know what I mean? I just, I didn't, I didn't resonate with that. Mm-hmm. I agree. I don't, I don't, now I don't resonate with that either. However, you know, in, in my past years, and I, I think a lot of society is like this today. It's very outcome-based. I'm going to the gym to achieve an outcome. We want these outcomes. And so it becomes less about the process and more about some result that lives weeks, months, or years away. For me, that takes me right out of the present moment and enjoying, enjoying myself, enjoying my body and what it can do. And there's so many micro moments within my workouts, whether I am doing, whether I'm lifting weights or whether I'm walking my dog or whether I'm doing yoga, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. It's an opportunity for me to, to connect and just, and be. So that's when I say my workouts are an active meditation, movement is a way for me to go inward. And I think we all have these different gateways. And for some people, it's sitting on a cushion. For some people, it's movement. There's so many different gateways, you know, with gymnastics, um, I actually, in order for, in order, actually the reason I achieved the level of success that I had was because I worked with a sports psychologist on practicing being in the moment. My whole, since I was 12, I worked with him since I was 12. I'm actually still seeing him to this day. He wrote his dissertation on visualization in the early eighties. Since I was 12, I was working on visualization and cues and words that would put me into the right now. Because if I thought about the outcome, I might sabotage the competition. If I thought about winning, I'm not, I'm not thinking about right now. My job is, is the next skill. Uh. One skill at a time. And that's still the way that I, I try and live my life. I notice when I'm getting too much ahead because when I'm too much ahead, I'm anxious I've, you know, had anxiety from a young age and I'm always, you can't tell me enough to breathe and get present. Like it just can't tell me enough. And it's just one of those things that I've been practicing. And I think it's, it's helpful to practice, you know, why are we doing things? Are we doing things because we want to achieve an outcome or are we doing things because the process is helpful and there's learning and there's information? Yes. I resonate with that. Everything you're saying. It's like somebody asked me this question in 2018, who are you being when you're doing what, what you're doing? And I was like, huh, what an interesting question. And I invite people to answer that for yourself. Like, who are you being when you're, because you are being someone when you're doing something. But sometimes, as you said, my physical body can be in this podcast. But if my mind's like, well, what's for dinner? What's happening tomorrow? It's not going to work. I'm going to feel something strange going on inside of me, whether I'm aware of it or not. So it's like, for me, it's really connecting to like, where are my feet? That's literally how I think about things now. And that's when I've gotten the most done because that's when you can listen to your intuition. That's when you can listen to all these things, like all these gifts that people talk about. We've talked about on this show plenty of times, like everyone has them and people are like, how do I start listening? 
presence. Like you bring your presence to get a present. You know what I mean? Like you literally bring that to the table and you do that by these like skills of like listening. Absolutely. And there's so many different ways to become present. Like one of the ones that I can use immediately that comes to mind is, you know, name three things that are happening right now. And I can say, the sun is bright. My desk is wood. I'm drinking tea. And it can put me right back into the present moment. Another way that I found is helpful is that relationships are my jam. Love relationships. Love talking about them, researching them, all the things. And it's been helpful for me to think about what is my conversation like in my head? If, if I were to take my thoughts, my, the voice in my head is a person and I am a person. Am I in a healthy relationship? Or is my relationship reflecting toxic behavior? And then what would it feel like if I was in a loving relationship with myself? What would my loving partner tell me? How would my loving partner encourage, encourage me? And so now my movement, whatever it is for that day, is a version of me making love to myself. Totally. Somebody even asked me this other question too. It's like, would you date yourself? And I was like, Whoa. It's <laughs> a great question. <laughs> it's a great question. And like, I think I've been reflecting on 2020 a lot. And to be honest with you, it's like the first year I've really taken the time to like slowly reflect. Like, I'm not rushing myself. I'm like, oh my God, it's January 6th and I'm not reflecting. And it's like, I'm just reflecting. And I was like, one of the major changes that happened for me was this, the like inner dialogue. It is more reflective of a loving partner who I actually feel like is supporting me. It's not this like irritant thing in my head. It's like, super supportive like I always tell my clients this about like what's the screensaver like when nothing's happening or you have a break between things where does your mind go what's the screensaver oh I like that and before mine was like my to-do list like you have this to do and you're like you and, and by, by the way you suck at it you're not even doing it good enough at all right, right? that's <laughs> that's I'm gonna be honest that that was the dialogue and now it's like we've done so much today or this is how we're feeling today or like, you can do it. And it's not like that every single day, but it's like way more often. Like I would say like probably 70, 30, which is like a huge flip for me that it's like supportive or feels good. Or I'm like checking in with my body. Like, how do we feel after this? Like, do I feel like it's life-giving or soul-sucking? Like, because I'm ordering it. If, <laughs> you know, if I think about it, I'm ordering more of that. If I talk about process and like working on it, I'm ordering that. If I talk about doing things and taking action, I'm ordering that. And there's an action reaction that we don't talk about, right? When you talk about like working on something, you're going to get honestly more of that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I know I was getting chills as you were saying that because I feel like that information, that, that question that you just asked, is this what it, not fueling me? You said, is this I said life-giving me? or soul-sucking? Life-giving or soul-sucking. It's an amazing question to ask because immediately you're, you're, you're going to get information. That's the body's information. That's valuable. Those are the golden nuggets that are telling you what you're aligned to. When we talk about like body conversations, it's like, is this serving me or is this depleting me? You know the answer and only you know the answer. And then it's about self-trust and getting behind yourself and making the choice to follow the thing that does serve you. Even if there's this, you know, other voice in your head or ego saying that you should be doing something else, right? All those shoulds. And there's that saying, you end up shitting on yourself. And you don't want to do that, you know? I had this mentor, and I don't know why I'm bringing this up right now. And he was like, I'm going to be very blunt. Okay. And this might be a little gross, but 
he's like, you like your shitty diaper. And I was like, excuse me? And he's like, you like your stinky, shitty diaper. (laughs) And I was like, what? What do you mean? And he's like, you're willing to stay there. And people are really comfortable sitting in a diaper full of shit because they're comfortable with it, because they're used to it. And to go move somewhere else and get a clean, maybe cloth diaper, (laughs) new (laughs) and different, feels so risky. And I love that he used that disgusting analogy with me because I actually got to the point, Alex, where I was disgusted with myself because I was so afraid of that action reaction because I didn't, and this is what I didn't understand at the time, the language of the body is emotions consciously you can be like okay body relax and this is why like for anxiety if you're like okay relax 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 it's like but you're speaking verbal language that's the conscious mind right you didn't get anxious because you told yourself i i want to be anxious i want to be anxious you didn't do it consciously it was a subconscious thing so if you don't undo that pattern at the level it occurred meaning your subconscious guess what you're gonna you're gonna continue that So it's like you really want to tune into your emotions because that's how they got there anyway. It's not about changing something. It's about releasing something that's there. Like that's something that was news to me. I was like, what? All I have to do is acknowledge it's there, that I was holding on to it as a short-term solution at the time. And now I can just let it go. I relate so much to that in that just the acceptance can, can alleviate so much. And, and I did that thing that you're doing, like relax, relax, relax. And yelling at myself to relax doesn't bring on relaxation <laughs> and you, you know what people do it all the time people literally do it all the time they're like and then they feel like shit, like I'm broken I can't relax because when I say relax I can't relax or when that person tells me to relax I really can't relax I must be mm. fucked up then and it's like no <laughs> why did we think that was a thing like who said you just tell yourself to relax and then you relax it's like huh like, I just, I, I never understood that. And I just want to say publicly, like, don't, if if that's you and you're like sh- shooting or shitting on yourself that you can't relax, please don't feel bad. And this is just my opinion. I've never seen that work. <laughs> I mean, the yeah, ag- agreed. The only, the only time that it's, it's worked for me to get myself into a relaxed state, which was something that I had to practice very regularly with the level of anxiety that I had around competition was instead of saying, relax, relax, relax. So if anxiety, anxiety lives in the brain, right? It lives in the head. So to drop into the body, what I would do is I would take a deep breath and then exhale really slowly. And in my head, my conversation would be, I've got this. I've trained for this. I trust myself. And every single time I would affirm that, I know that those things are true. I know that I trained hours on hours on hours for these competitions, telling myself to relax. The thing that I actually needed to relax was a vote of confidence that I could do the scary thing that I was about to do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's different. And you know why that's so different? Because, and this is what Bob Proctor said, because we asked him about this because I was so curious about it too. And he's like, when you say relax, you tell yourself I'm not relaxed. So you're giving yourself this like double binding message. You're like, relax, but I'm not relaxed, but relax, but I'm not relaxed. And it's it's usually not like, relax, Alex, you got it. Like that would be different. But if you just say like, relax, relax, it's like, you don't believe that you are. And again, it's not even changing what you say so much. It's how you say it. When you say, I've got this, I've trained for this, you're saying something that's actually true. And I think that's different. 
Yes. And your body knows it's true. Your body knows it's true. It's a, it's a, it's like a slow, steady current, like a knowing of like, I know that this is the truth and this is why my body is responding to what I'm saying. It's because it is the truth. I have trained for this. I am ready for this. I can trust myself. Yes. And you know what I've noticed too? And tell me if you feel this way or not. I've noticed that the like ego voice or the one that's telling me like I'm not good enough, whatever one is always emotionally charged. But the voice that's true or the voice of intuition is quieter, but there's no emotional charge. That's a great point. You're right. I, it, yeah, it's like that. It's the quiet knowing you're right. It's, it's very neutral. It's just, it's just the truth. It's, it's not charged. And like, I've had my intuition say, or like my inner being or inner guidance tell me things that like after like hearing it, I'm like, that is like a big thing, but it's so true. And there's no emotional charge on it. It's just something I know deep within me is true. Like, I'll give you an example that just happened recently. In terms of relationships, I had this deep like kind of fear that I would lose my freedom in a relationship or like lose myself. And all I did, and I was like, whoa, like it came through. And again, I knew that it was true. And I just was like, just let it be. Just let it have its like way. It just, it just wants to come to visit. And then I was like, you can leave. And then there's a space that's created where you can now choose what you want to believe. And give yourself really specific examples of why a relationship is not a loss of freedom. Like I, I get to be my true self with somebody who wants to grow and expand in the same ways I do. That's not, that, that is freedom, right? That is a better definition of freedom than I want to operate with. And whose definition of freedom was that? And recognize that it's not yours. But like really asking yourself like, well, what do I want to believe? If yeah. this is what I did believe, like what do I want to believe now? As you said, it's that self-trust, it's like compassion, it's surrender, it's like all these things that come in after that. But I think it's, if you can get to the point where you can really get to the root of like, well, what do I believe around this thing? I just gave one example and there's multiple, right? But even like, what is my body capable of? Like, there's so many different questions we could go down to and it depends on where you are in your journey and everyone has a different entry point and really they end up being the same right? Like you end up going, like you're one person, right? And so all your relationships, your health, your wealth, your fitness, all that comes through you and your experience, um, which is why I think you and I like talking about the body so much because it, it, it is your experience vessel. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you want to call it that, like, I think you and I can agree on this. I don't want to talk for you, but like we're spirits having this human experience through the vessel of our bodies. Yeah, I, I love the analogy that you used there about kind of inviting in the emotion to your home and, and then doing the self-inquiry, you know, kind of accepting and digesting what the new truth is as you navigate your life in, in this like newly adapted way. That idea of inviting in an emotion to your, into your, your inside home, right, to have this conversation, again, it's all just information. I feel like we condemn anger and judgment and you know triggers right people use this word triggers a lot now and it's all just information it's all there to tell us something about ourselves and I've found that when I've been able to look at it that way as in like if it's not one of the feel-good things then I don't want it now I'm like no no even if it's not a feel-good thing it's still information for me 
and then once I get the information I'm like thank you so much and uh, I'll see you when I see you next time (laughs) yeah like you can go like I just like full-on I'm gonna invite you in and it's time to go and like knowing the difference it's like one of the very first things I learned on this whole spiritual personal development path was that any emotion lasts for like 90 seconds or so and it was one of the things that really liberated me in the beginning. And I totally forgot about it some way on my journey. And recently I was like, when I invite something in, it doesn't last long. When you allow it to come in and then leave, it's like, you know, a really great friend or like mentor or teacher will teach you something or there, there, there'll be something to take away from it. And I find that more often than not, there is something I can learn about myself And I really realized that the journey that I'm on and like, I think everyone's on, and I'm going to start calling it this now more, more openly self-mastery, you know, like I don't want to be in the boardroom of my company and have someone trigger me, quote unquote. And then I start like replaying family shit because I don't know what is going on with like inside of me. Like, I don't want to be that leader. Like I made a clear decision to not run from the past anymore. And that alone is like a huge energetic shift because it's like I'm welcoming in whatever I need to like is my highest and good for right now. Like, what am I supposed to be doing right now? And when you ask, you get answers like you do get answers. Everyone has this nudge or this hunch about something that they should be doing. And the problem is, again, we get so used to suppressing it or putting it away or that's so different from what I'm doing now and judging and what about if you just listen? And it probably has something to do with something you were super passionate about as a kid. Yeah, I will say that there's definitely moments where I'm not available to listen. And I won't know that until I know that I'm not available and I'm not listening. Totally. <laughs> and then I remember that there's information. So I find, especially when it comes to emotional triggers, as soon as I get that trigger, I just get a surge and like the veil comes over where I can't see myself in it because I'm now spinning in the old stuff or like you become that emotion instead of transcending it type yes exactly yes um yeah and I don't want to like sell a story of like I do this perfectly like hell to the no I'm like five percent better (laughs) right I am five percent better I still get caught up in the and that's how I know the difference though it's like I know when I get caught up in the emotion because I'm like I call it spiraling or like spinning or I feel like something feels so off And how many days will I stay that way? Not longer than three anymore, but that used to be years. (laughs) You know know what I mean? Like it was like, whoa. So it's just being able to catch yourself. It's just, oh, I have the skills and a wider selection of tools to be able to catch myself. And I'm just willing. Yes. I think the willing piece is key. I think it's a key for everything. It was something I talked about on this podcast with another guest, but I had a download about that the other day. So I've been able to make these incredible changes. And I was like, what shifted? Like, you know, what can I sort of like go back to as like a foundational thing? And the only answer I got was like willing partner. It was like, you're a willing partner. I'm a willing partner with the universe. I know it's friendly. I know it has my best interest at heart. And I'm finally a willing partner. So then I start to learn the skills to be a willing partner in any relationship, platonic, romantic, it doesn't matter. I start to learn the skills to be that person, that highest like version of myself. But instead of it being like a wish and a dream, I'm literally creating moments to show up as her today. And I think that's the gap that I had been missing for so long. 
everyone talks about action, like do, do, do. And it's not about doing, it's like about acknowledging. And then maybe if you feel called to write it down, write it down. Even though that feels super vulnerable because you're like, now it's on paper. Does that make it real? (laughs) And it's like, yes. And it also takes it out of you. Oh, uh, yeah. I love that. Taking it out of you. I talk about when I work with my clients, putting things on the observation deck. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So it's like taking it out of you and let's put it on the observation deck and let's observe it. And we're not making any conclusions about it. We're just going to take a look at it. So it's not in you anymore, but so that you can see it from a a different perspective. And perhaps that can provide more information. Yeah. (laughs) We'll decide later on what to do with. Right. Exactly. It will. But at every step of the way, you have to be willing. You have to be willing. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I noticed. It's like, I can, I can observe. And then if it's scary, we'll fuck that. Bye. And yeah. that's okay. And th- and that's okay. If you're like, this is too much for me and I cannot handle it. No judgment. You, you were still willing. You're willing to go as far as you could go until you couldn't go anymore. That's and it. you can revisit it if you're more willing again. Yeah. Cause it, it'll show up. It's not going anywhere. 100%. It's not going it's anywhere. Not going that, that's what I learned. I'm like, it took me three years to there. Like, I'm calling, I'm calling, and you're not answering, and I'm still calling. Like, you're the worst partner. And it was like, oh, shit, I am. Right. And then it took one day to just listen. And I've noticed I take the position of that observer or that witness more often. What's happening? Cool. Here. I feel lighter as a human. Like, I physically am starting to change. But on the inside, like, like where no one can feel it other than me, so many shifts are happening. And, you know, one of my other podcast guests too were saying that like this has like wide ranging effects. Like people are so scared to like disappoint their parents. And she's like, that's also a 90 second emotion. Think about how much people have like changed their lives to avoid that. When you say 90 second emotion, do you mean that it lasts for 90 seconds and then there's a choice to continue living in the story or not? Yes. You can learn from it. You, you can be like, okay, the, this is why you feel this way, right? You feel this, you know, I don't know, frustration, resentment, whatever it like it is. Or it, you, it can just keep happening. Like we're so afraid of like disappointing our parents, but we don't even know that we're going to disappoint them. And it's just being able to really catch yourself, I think, is like the, the biggest part. Yeah. I mean, I, a question that I've continued to ask myself, especially when I'm deeply in a story, I'm a very passionate person. I can get deeply into a story real quick. (laughs) (laughs) And a question that I've asked myself that's helped me kind of throw a wrench in the gears or like stop the loop is, is that the truth? Is the story the truth? Do I know that the story is the truth? And oftentimes if it's a story, I'll say, I actually don't know that that's the truth. And then I'm able to identify it as a, an outside thing, not the reality, but a possibility in the realm of a million other possibilities. I've said this so much on this podcast. Like we talk about the moments that are more like aspirational and like inspirational. Cause if we had to break down every single thing we got to get there, it, this would be like a five hour show, which it could be. Um, so I just want to tell people like, what is possible? I think that's what the podcast is really for. It's like, you can get to this point. And if you want help there, you exist. I exist. We, we like take clients through this all the time, right? Through a more of an in-depth process. Everyone's story is a bit different and everyone's coming at it from a different perspective. So I don't, I don't like to prescribe one thing fits all for everybody, but I just want people to know if this is you, you are not crazy. You know, like we're not going to change your life with a podcast or maybe we will, I don't know, but I want you to know you are not crazy. You are definitely not alone. 
and there are resources like I didn't know this years ago like no one was talking like codependency no one was talking about like doing the inner work like that wasn't even a term that was like floated around as much you know it wasn't as popular at least in my world it wasn't and now these are things that are so commonplace and like I really made this podcast for the for me three years ago you know who wanted to hear about people that were doing this kind of stuff and like what worked for them and we gave a lot of really good prompts, actually, a lot of really good self-reflective questions for people to get started. And again, it doesn't have to be this like massive thing right away. I think we overlook the like little small steps that you can take every day and you'll be 365 steps closer at the end of the year. Maybe just take one small step. It's like keeping that snowball going. You've got a bigger push one day and maybe it's just a tiny push the other day, but it's still kind of using that muscle in some way to kind of push it which I think is so helpful. But um, so we mentioned earlier in the podcast that we did a, a, you led a workshop that I was a part of. And I remember, and you asked us to like read lines. And I remember when this one came up and you're like, who wants to read it? I was like, me. And <laughs> I don't know if, if you recall that. Um, the, the like line was the body never lies. Ooh, yeah. Oh my God. That experience was I think the most powerful part of that experience, Alex, was the community of people that you brought together and everyone's willingness to share. And I think that there was such magic in that group because everyone was committed. Like there was a a willingness all around in that group. I love facilitating circle work because every single person is a leader in it. There's pieces of wisdom in every person's story. I am not a leader. I am not the wise one. Like we all are right. That this circle of people's stories is what contains wisdom. And, and like a whole bunch of me too moments, like me too moments are just so healing. Cause you're like, Oh, you, you too. Yeah. Like, like, wow. It's not just me. Yeah. (laughs) So validating. Right. It's so validating. And I think that's the magic about circle work is that even if you're you're not willing in the beginning you're it's like a you're gonna catch the cold kind of thing like it's gonna come around and you're gonna just want to jump in because because it feels so good to share an emotion that might have been really hard or to experience a me too moment or to finally be heard in pain that you've lived without someone throwing advice at you it's just hear me out and this is how I feel about it Yeah. And can you describe like for people who aren't familiar with like circle work, do you have a definition of that? Because I know what I experienced, but can you maybe tell people like what that is more in like more depth? This, it kind of goes back to, you know, in the prolific ages where we used to all sit around fires and commune together. Um, Circle work is, you know, a group of people and we sit in a circle and there's different prompts and there's different topics and we go about asking questions in different ways. But everyone has an opportunity or not to share something that's on your mind that's relevant to the topic of discussion. Um, And then from there, if if you're feeling the same feeling, you can say a me too. And it's really just a place to discuss matters of the heart and to find clarity with the minds of of the community. Actually, my, my yoga teacher explained it really nicely and, and for anyone who's into energy she says that the the people in the circle are the masculine energy it's the, it's the container of space that's being held and the person who is in expression is the feminine energy the safety of the circle and the wisdom of the circle is always going to be different 
depending on who's in the circle. And the person who's expressing is always going to be the thing that's in motion, but there's a safe container for that expression to happen. Wow. What a great visual because then you're like, well, that expression is unique to that circle. Exactly. Because the circle in itself is unique. Everything about the circle, every time you sit in it is going to be unique because as I'm the facilitator, but I am not the leader. Everyone in the circle is a leader. Everyone has body wisdom. Everybody has a story that can offer information. I don't know any more than you know. That I love that. Oh, and then the cool part, and I guess this must be different for you, is you had the objects. Like when you were speaking, you like took the object. Um, talking pieces. The yeah. talking pieces. Yeah, they're really great because then it allows, it's kind of like this, you know, general rule where it's like, if I'm holding the talking piece, it's, it's my story. And then it gives that person all of the time and space that they need in order to get that story or that thing out of them. If you need a moment to pause for a minute, I don't know if you remember, there was someone in our group who was talking about something that was emotional and it got really quiet there for about a minute. It's really cool when a group of people can be silent together and not disrupt or interrupt the process of someone's emotion until it's complete. Wow. You know what? I, I know exactly what you're, what you're talking about because I remember feeling it, being a space holder and knowing that's all I was like, that's all I was being asked to do in that moment is just be a space holder and not try to fix or change anything. And I did not even think about that in terms of like amplified to the group. You, you know what I mean? And like what a gift that was. And I think now we all recognize what gifts like someone who can hold space for you is and not try to be like, Bleh, but do this and, and like project and whatever, all that on you just to allow you to be and having a group of people do that. Like, wow, that is super powerful. And I never even thought about that and how important that was as a skill building for me kind of going into COVID because we, we didn't know what this year was going to bring, right? That was last summer that we did it. And we want to talk about tools, right? That was a part of my toolbox. Like having the, we, you, you talked about body scans. We did body scans. We did like listening to different sounds in the environment, right? To help you to come back to be present. Like I remember all these things that we did. Oh, I love that. You remember that makes me so happy. Because there's skills, because, because there's skills that you physicalized, you know those dried strawberries <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so like Alex gave us this like to really connect with our sense of taste she was like put your hand out and our eyes were closed and she put something in her hand and was like put it in your mouth <laughs> and literally it's like you want to talk about trust you want to talk about vulnerability you want to talk about surrender like it was all those things in that and then just putting it in my mouth and then like I just want to chew that but just like let it be like don't notice the change of taste and evolution of this thing and continue to observe it as it evolves and like notice yourself salivating like (laughs) so much and then being like oh this is like a strawberry and then you were like doing a guided thing where you're like and like the farmers who planted this crop and it was just like it took you to like the story of this strawberry I think I told you this afterwards like it reverberated in my body Like, I'll never forget that experience because it was so expansive in terms of recognizing what our body does on a regular basis, 24-7, and we're not aware of it. Yeah, I remember you also having this, like, an aha moment about the power of smell in correlation to your family 
and what meals meant in your family. Oh yeah. I did tell you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I smell everything. I, I really, I smell everything. Smell is so important to me. And especially with food, like I always, and I told you this, I guess, like I always like smell my food, like always. I don't know why it was just something I started doing. And, and if it smells bad, I'm like, no, thank you. But in my family, it's something, yeah, it's something that I think all of us just, just kind of did. Like, I can tell the difference between, like, two people's curries, even though it looks the same. And it's just been a huge ritual thing for me. Where, like, I'm at a restaurant, and people are, like, in their food eating, and I'm still smelling. Smelling it? <laughs> I'm like, ooh. And, like, I can tell, like, kind of what's in it. And I don't know. It just helps me stay connected to, like, what I'm doing. And I found that throughout the like years I have done that less frequently that's not something I do as frequently like as I grew up I stopped doing that but as a kid I was like all about that <laughs> you know and then I sort of forgot about it along the way and it was it kind of brought me back to that experience when it was like food was something that you were like wow right it, it, like, it, it's almost like a disassociation like I'm just going to eat this stuff and like think about all the things that are happening in my life um, and then oh where did my food go did I eat? What's happening? And then you're like anxiety, like riddled. And then you're not digesting because you can't digest properly when you're like in super like sympathetic state. So it's like when I was smelling it and doing all that, what I was really doing is helping myself get into that parasympathetic state. So I'm like ready to digest the food that I was in. I had a teacher in chiropractic college. She's so funny. She would notice when we were all like anxiety riddled because of tests and stuff. And she's like, you guys need to get from sympathetic to parasympathetic. And we're all like, yes. And she's like, wine dine 69 <laughs> did she say that for real yeah she's like you guys need to just get laid and we were like doctor's orders i mean <laughs> like i don't know but i'm just kidding but she was dead serious she was like that's why that's so powerful like that night she was actually talking about this like that night where you go like dancing with your friends and you like move your body and you're like drinking and then you have sex she's like and then you have dinner before that that's why that's a thing. That's why those things get packaged together. There's like a reason why over time and different tribes, people have done that too, right? You eat food, you have something to drink, you dance, and then you procreate, right? That's like the, like, that's like the cycle. There's a reason why those things are always grouped together, no matter where you go in the world, you know, some version of that. Yeah. And I mean, back to like the very beginning of this conversation, it's like, those are all methods for you to get back in your body if the anxiety of the test is living up in your head, it's like, well, go eat great food and like be in your, in those, that whole sensory experience of what food tastes like, and then go dance and move your body with your friends and feel joy. Yeah. You're, you're getting out of the story of, oh my God, what does the future hold? And that's what the like drinking does. It just like reduces your inhibition. You're just going to follow. You're just going to surrender. You're just going to go. And it feels good to be that way. And I think, you know, we don't have to do that artificially with alcohol. You know, if that's your preference, there's no judgment, but it doesn't have to be that way. But it's just interesting how those things, and I've been kind of like doing like more research on like looking back in time and they're all like all civilizations, all people, like we did that. It was like pretty normal. So it was just really interesting how um, we've taken a 21st century <laughs> spin on that. And that's why people miss going out so much and like breaking bread with friends is like super powerful. Like when I say breaking bread, I just mean eating with people. Oh yeah. Com- communing with people. Oh gosh. It's just, it's, you know, as humans we're we crave that. Coming together. And so like, I'm so grateful for you to bring together um, a community of people who are just like-minded and like willing 
you know, it just, what else can you ask for? You can't ask for anything else. So I just want to say thank you for that experience. That is so great. If you end up doing it online, which I hope you do, um, I would suggest that everyone sign up for it. Super powerful. I mean, we didn't even get a chance to talk about the car wash. We should, we should talk about the car wash. Can you explain car wash? Yeah. Okay. So the car wash is, um, it's a completely sensory experience and it's quite vulnerable. And we did it at the end because we had a foundation of trust within the group. It was a nine hour facilitation that three days, three hours. And what happens is there's a lineup of people kind of like um, two rows of people that are creating uh, an aisle for for one person to walk through. And what we do is we charge up our hands by rubbing them together. We put on some nice music. We turn out the lights. We lit some incense. We had a whole vibe happening. Totally. And each person, one at a time, walks through this, what do you call it, like an alley? The aisle. (laughs) Does that make sense? An aisle. And the aisle of people. And these people take their fingertips and they just wash them from head to toe very gently over your body. And so the person who's walking through has their eyes closed. And I mean, you can share what, what you felt as you went through there, but what it feels like is just like this wash of, of fingertips that's all over you and with charged hands, it just, Oh my God, it's just so dreamy. So it's about, I'd say about 20 to 30 seconds before you reach the end of the line. And then we went, we went a few rounds because we had a pretty small group. And so, and we had like a good 15 minute car wash. It was great. Yeah. And so, <laughs> Oh my God, how do I describe that? It just felt like love, honestly. It's like you realize that when people, when there's like no money or like none of that other stuff attached to it, it's just like humans connecting. You realize that all people want to do is just give love. Like they just naturally. And the thing that's so interesting about that is like, there's no judgment on anyone's part because you're walking through that eyes closed. So you don't even know where you necessarily are you're just your eyes are closed people are like washing you they're kind of gently touching you with their fingers which in itself is an experience and then the person at the end takes your hands with your eyes closed and they kind of put you in position at the end of the aisle and then you can open your eyes again and then you participate so it's this like orchestrated dance that's happening at the same time where then we're communicating but we're not talking yeah, no one spoke words. It's no. it's pretty incredible. Another one of a part of that experience that I love is once you get to the end of the aisle and you feel someone grab your hands and when you're ready, you open your eyes and you're met with somebody else's eye gaze eyes. Yes. to kind of ground you back and then walk you back into the line where you're like, woof, like it's almost like um someone bookends that ritual, that moment for you where they're like, wake up, look at me, we're you're back here now. And then, and then this giving and receiving is just reciprocated in terms of, yeah, participating and then, you know, being a washer. <laughs> a washer. Yeah. But it's like, and I love that you, you, you brought up that part when you like open your eyes and like you're like met with that gaze. It was always of like kindness. I don't know. It was so beautiful to have that whole, ex- and then it was multiple of like, we did that, I think three or four times. I don't remember, honestly, but to be honest, I didn't even know it was going to go that many rounds, but people wanted to just keep going. And I, was like, oh. I know. I still remember that experience. And I remember it every time I hear the song that you played. Oh, it was not a healing song. The song is called Ramadasa. It's on my rituals playlist, actually. Is it? Okay, cool. So, well, first of all, I wish we could talk more. We've talked for such a long time. And I think people, there's going to be like, there's so many nuggets in here. Thank you for sharing. If people want to work with you, 
And you just mentioned that you have a ritual guide. How can they find out more about that and like work with you? Instagram is where I live the most currently. So you can find me at alexgrant.xo on Instagram. And just in the link in my bio, it says download your ritual guide. Um, And it will teach you how to do your own rituals and kind of create your own mindfulness experience at home or wherever you are. And within there, there is a playlist. And I've also included four or five of my favorite rituals. And one of them is a forgiveness shower. And so I describe how to do it. And there's a song that goes with it that's in the playlist. So. Wow. And is that for free or do they pay for it? It's free. Okay. Yep, it's just so in my bio. <laughs> if you're listening to this, go download that because you have nothing to lose and she knows exactly what she's doing. So please do yourself a favor and just download it. <laughs> I'll be downloading it. So um, do that. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm so grateful to know you. Alex Grant, leader of love. <laughs> Wow, that was such a fun episode. I love Alex Grant. So Alex, thank you so much for being on the show and for gracing us with your time and your energy. And I want to thank you for tuning into this episode, for listening. It means so much to me. Alex is launching a mindfulness course, the course that we talked about in the episode. She is launching it online. The details are below in the show notes. If it interests you, and I'm highly recommending you heard me talk about it, reach out to her if it interests you and sign up. I know that those tools were critical um, in getting me through 2020, but not just surviving, but thriving. So mindfulness has, you know, this like compound effect. It affects every other area of your life in a really, really positive way. So that is my plug for her. And the plug for me is that I would love for you to hear your feedback on this episode. Um, If you don't want to contact me directly or leave us a review, you can definitely leave us a five-star rating. We love those and we appreciate them very much. I think that's everything. So if you don't already subscribe, please do that. I keep teasing something is going to be coming and changing, still on its way, just figuring out what that looks like on my end. Um, And without any further ado, I will see you next week for another epic conversation. Until then, stay well, be well, and make it a great day. 